Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. About four years ago, when I was back at a leadership conference in Grand Rapids, I had a chance to meet Eric, and I was just, I was just hoping we could get Eric out here sometime to our church. I'm so pleased today, Eric, you're with us. Come on up, brother. And we're in prayer together, and Eric's going to share our message this morning and share their ministry. And it's so good to have you and your family with us. God bless you, friend. We pronounce it Mongo or Mango. I'm hearing it all over the place. The what do you What do you say? The first one. Mongo. All right, it's Mongo, not Mango. All right, well, we got Eric right. Okay. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for bringing our brother and his family with us uh, safely here to share in our missions conference. We lift them up to you today, and we look forward to hearing what you have placed on his heart to share their ministry and to share God's word with us. In Christ's name, we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. Good morning, everyone. Bonjour tout le monde. Bon dia. Habari za subuhi. Mulibwanji. Mulibuti. Love in any language. That's a wonderful theme to talk about. Today in the world we have more than 7,000 languages. And the world the Lord wants us to reach the whole world with the gospel of God's grace. And out of the 7,000 plus languages, I can only speak about 11 languages. <laughs> and I'm working on three more, hoping in the near future I'll be able to speak at least 14 languages. But what is 14 languages? in 7,000 plus languages. But there's one language that we can all speak that the world can hear. And that's the language of love. A bishop by the name of Kivengeri in Uganda, he was the bishop of the Anglican Church. And one day, he was interviewed by a journalist. And they asked him, Kivengeri, if you were in one room with Idi Amin, Idi Amin was a president in Uganda who killed so many people. And the journalist asked Kivengeri, if you were with Idi Amin in a room and you have a gun, just you and Idi Amin, what would you do? And Kivengeri said, I would give him the gun and tell him, this is your weapon. Mine is love. That's powerful, isn't it? Love is our weapon. Love in any language. This morning, I'm so excited to be here. To me, this is an absolute honor and joy to stand before you. And this is what I want to do this morning. Number one is to say thank you to the church in America for sending missionaries to Africa. Thank you. As you see me here, I'm one of the fruits of your hard labor. 
I'm the fruit of your giving. And it's a joy for me to come and say thank you. I wouldn't forget the day I meet Carol Moyer, Joanne, Tina and Dan Moyer, and the amazing impact they have done in my life. Thank you for sending them. Thank you. And I'll talk more about that as I share my story. And thank you for this church. It's my first time here, but this church here has been a great supporter to our ministry. And I want to say thank you. For giving by faith. You never knew us. But you just gave. Imagine how many people will be around the throne on that day. Praising the Lamb and Him who sits on the throne. Because of your giving and because of your going. And because of your sending. We have no idea what it will be like. But thank you for giving to the Lord. Thank you. There are so many names here that I don't know, but they have been supporting us. Thank you so much. And because of this, I would love to call my wife and want to say thank you in our traditional way to you for your great partnership in the ministry. Do you want to come, Mercy? So back home, when we are Respecting the chief. When greeting the chief, there's a way we clap hands. The normal way of clapping hands is like this. But when we are thanking somebody, and mainly the chief, we hold our hands like this. And we do it five times just to appreciate you. Let's go. Thank you so much. I love singing. This song is in Swahili. The first part is in Swahili and the second part is in English. And feel free to sing along. Me mambo sawa sawa. Great, you are doing it very well. Mambo sawa sawa. Mambo sawa sawa simply, and the second part is, Yesu akiwa enzini, mambo sawa sawa. Yesu akiwa enzini, mambo. You make a wonderful class. And that simply means, it is well with my soul. As long as Jesus is on the throne, it is well with my soul. No matter what I go through, as long as Christ is on the throne, he's never out of control. Mambo sawa sawa. Mambo sawa sawa. Yesu akiwa enzini. Mambo sawa sawa. 
Mambo sawa sawa Mambo sawa sawa One more time Mambo sawa sawa Mambo sawa sawa Yesu akiwa enzini Mambo sawa sawa Mambo sawa sawa It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. Since the Lord is on the throne, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well with Now in Africa, it's not sinful to clap for the Lord. In Africa, no one will blame you for dancing for the Lord. And I love the way you do it here. But feel free to clap your hands and sing along. We'll give it a little bit of a melody. Mambo sawa sawa. Mambo sawa sawa. Yesu akiwa endini mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa mambo sawa mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa sawa Yesu akiwa endini mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa sawa Kweli mambo sawa mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa mambo sawa sawa Yesu akiwa enzini mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa sawa mambo sawa sawa Kiri zwe with my soul Mambo sawa sawa Mambo sawa sawa Thank you I was born in Congo DRC there are two Congos born in a family of 13 children when you include mom and dad we were 15 and all 13 children from one mother and i was the fifth born in the family i'm sure some of you are getting trouble with my accent it's my prayer that you'll be able to get what i'm trying to share this morning as a young man i had this passion for music i remember making my first guitar made a wood and put some wires on it and that was my first guitar and i enjoyed playing my guitar 
When dad saw the passion for music, he bought me a guitar. And I was so excited. And every evening he could call me to come and play music for him. And as I played music, that's how my dad slept. It was my assignment every evening. <laughs> and I enjoyed doing it. Then dad promised me to send me to a Bible school when I finished my high school. My dad wasn't a Christian. Neither was my mom. But every Sunday, dad was forcing us to go to church. You don't go to church, there's no lunch for you at home. So we are forced to go anyway. And that's what the way the Lord worked in my life to lead me to Christ. When I completed my high school, I reminded dad of the promise. And in Africa, the decision is made by the whole family. You don't just decide. Dad called the rest of the extended family members. They came and he told them, I want to send Eric to a Bible school. They all said no. The reason, they say, if he becomes a pastor, he will be poor, he will be of no help to the family. We don't want him to do theology. I was instead sent to another college where I studied agriculture. When I was in college, the war of 1996 began in Congo. That was a difficult time. The rebels who were fighting the government then came into the city. They started killing every human being. And the fight began right between the city where I was and the village where my parents were. They started coming into the city and finally they attacked the college where I was. They killed thousands of students. By God's grace, I was able to escape through the corridor, went down the street to where my pastor was. And I told him, Pastor, what can I do? And that time, people were leaving the city in thousands. All the roads were full of people. There was no way you could drive or ride. The only way was to walk. Because everyone was running for their lives. And those rebels finally took the whole city in ambush. They started killing everyone who was on the street. And especially children. Because they were abandoned by their parents. They just fight, they were killing them like insects. My pastor and I were in his house praying. And we heard the neighbors screaming in agony as they were being butchered with knives. And finally those guys knocked at our gate, went opened for them. That was a shocking picture. Their knives were dropping blood. Their clothes were full of blood. And one of them looked at me and said, young man, Today your life is in my hand. And he looked at my pastor and said, Would you please say your last words? We have come for you guys. And the pastor told him, Do it quickly. We were waiting for you. We are ready to go to heaven. That guy took the watch that the pastor had on his hand and pushed him. They went down that street killing other people. Went back in the house. We continued to pray. 
And the pastor told me, Eric, my life has come to it. But as you remain, live for the Lord. Hold on to faith. And preach Christ. And I told him, pastor, these guys don't spare anyone. Imagine for a pregnant woman, they could pierce a knife across the womb and get the baby out. Cut a piece and give the dying mother to eat. So finally they came back, found us in the house. Instead of shoot, I mean, butchering us with knives, they decided to shoot. One just fired on the pastor and the man of God fell down and breathed his last. As he was turning his loaded gun to fire on me, his fellow rebel grabbed the gun from him, held him by the hand, and pulled him backward. I saw them walking away, and the body of the pastor on the floor. That experience made me go unconscious. I lost memory for three days. I gained conscious towards the fourth day, only to find the body of the pastor expanding and smelling. And I was scared. Excuse me. I decided to walk outside. When I reached the gate, my mind was blown. The whole street was full of dead bodies. I was scared. I decided to come back inside. But I couldn't withstand the smell inside. Decided to go outside. Jumping those bodies. There were thousands of bodies. Especially children. Who were abandoned by their parents. Managed to go up to our church and found one of our elders who had also lost his entire family. He wanted to rescue them to Tanzania. He had put them on the boat. But he remembered that he needed to get some money back home. He rushed to home and the rebels came, found them on the boat. They just butchered them all. When he came, he only found bodies in the boat. Met him at the church. He was in tears. And I was in tears. He told me about his family. I told him about the pastor. Excuse me. He helped me. We dug at the church. Went brought the body of the pastor. And buried him there. He told me, Eric, I'm scared. I just want to be here. If they will kill me. Let them kill me from here. I went back to the pastor's house. On my way back, I saw two rebels by the corner of the street. When they saw me, they stopped me. And I knew that was my end. They came with their loaded guns and knives. And they asked me, young man, are all these bodies here? Is everyone dead here? There were so many bodies. I said, yes, they are. In fact, they, these bodies have been here for quite some time. One of them got his knife, fixed it on his gun, and pierced it in the chest of a person who is already dead, and stepped this way and pulled the knife, and told me, get out of here quickly. 
before I treat you the way I've treated this body. I left there, went in the pastor's house, and after a while, some people had gone in the mountains and they had no food there. They started dragging themselves back into the city. And we were in their hands now. And they started selecting young people from age 10 and above to join their army by force. And I thought, that was not my calling. I wouldn't make it. We, met, we discussed about eight young people and decided to leave the country. Went by the lake to look for boats. The first day we couldn't find any. The second day we couldn't. And we thought if they found us as a group, they would just shoot. We divided ourselves into two groups. Four went one way and four of us took another way. Unfortunately, the first team was killed. On our way, we found a boat, turned the motor on, and we started selling. We didn't know how much gas was that motor. It was, a, it was just left by the beach. Started selling to Tanzania. When we were in the lake, the rebels saw us. Now, instead of shooting the boat that we were in, they decided to capture us alive. But what they used to do, whenever they saw a boat, they could just shoot. They used two speed boats. One came from the front, another one from the back, and they asked us to raise our hands, which we did, and they searched us. They took all we had and left us. We were caught three times, and the Lord kept sparing our lives. And my life was not in the hand of that young man who had a gun and a knife. My life was and is in the hands of the living God. And in his hands, I'm safe not only today, but forever. And in his hands, I have hope beyond the grave. The hope that does not disappoint. And Christ is our hope of glory. We were in the lake for more than three days. And that part, it was only to be covered in one day. But we ran, the motor ran out of gas and we were just being carried by the wind. We couldn't see where we are coming from and where we are going. We are just in the middle of nowhere. And we had food for one day. We only ate the first day. We spent three days without eating. And by God's grace, we saw some fishermen from Tanzania and we called them. They came and hooked our boat with theirs to the shore. When we reached there, I knelt down and said, God, from today onwards, every day that I will live is a bonus. And I would love to live for you and serve you alone. And I made a commitment from the book of Acts chapter 20 verse 24, which says, I therefore consider my life worth nothing. My only aim is to finish the race, preaching the gospel of God's grace. From there, I started a long journey, away from my parents. 
It took about seven years before I met my parents. They thought I was killed in college among the many students who were killed. They declared me dead. They conducted the traditional funeral ceremony with the neighbors and they said, our son died in college. I appeared home after seven years. You can imagine what happened. Mom was sweeping in the yard. When she saw me, she was scared. She screamed and ran into the house. My dad was inside. When he heard mom screaming, he came out as a man to defend the wife. When he saw me, he was stuck. He couldn't move. I told him, Dad, it's I. He was silent. I told him, Dad, it's I, Eric. He started crying. We hugged and cried together. Mom was inside, inside the house, peeping through the window. When she noticed that it was real, she came out and we hugged, cried together. The neighbors who attended the funeral ceremony, when they were saying Eric is gone, they came, we celebrated together. And that's the day my parents gave their lives to Christ. The Lord used my painful experience to catch the attention of my parents. And someone once said, sometimes the Lord will hurt you deeply so that he can use you mightily. Sometimes it works that way. And now the Lord has blessed me with a wonderful family. My wife, Mercy, who is from Zambia, and our two delightful children, the firstborn is Shalom, and the secondborn is Grace. Shalom reminds me of God's grace, I mean God's peace, that surpasses all human understanding. I experienced that peace during that turmoil in Congo during the war. And to celebrate the peace of the Lord, I named my son Shalom. Our second born is Grace. Grace is interesting. The first time I visited the States, and that's time, the time I met Pastor Jim Shemaria in Grand Rapids, I was attending the GGF conference. And I learned that my wife was pregnant, expecting. Frosty told me. By then, Grace, my wife just conceived and it was, it was less than a month. Frosty told me, you're gonna have, Frosty Hansen, you're gonna have a baby girl. And you call her Grace Frostina. And I asked him, Frosty, are you the only prophet that we have in this dispensation? <laughs> and it came to pass that we had a baby girl. And if you were to ask Grace her name, she would tell you, I'm Grace Frostina. <laughs> so that's how those two names came about. And we are grateful.
we are serving the Lord in a country called Malawi. Some people when they hear Africa, they think Africa is just a country. Africa is a big continent which has more than 50 countries. And we are in Malawi, which is a small country down here in the southern part of Africa. I'm from Congo, which is right here. My wife is from Zambia, here. And we are working as a team in Malawi, working with Bill and Sue Vinton, Joseph and Emanuela Asong from Cameroon, Titus and Christy Lloyd from the USA. And we are such a great team. And I'm grateful to the Lord to be part of that team. Not just a group, but a team. As a family, Miss and I are involved in different ministries. And one of the involvements is teaching in the Bible school. I teach in the Bible school along with Joseph and Bill. We also do evangelism, which is my passion, sharing the gospel of God's grace. I'm also involved in sports and music ministry. I am also doing counseling with couples and also mainly with people who are living with HIV and AIDS. And that's a big issue in Africa today. My wife works, works with ladies and she's also into community outreach and adult literacy program. She will talk about that. Talking of leadership training, There's a statement that goes like, the church in Africa is 40 miles wide and 5 inch deep. Churches are being planted every time. But we don't have trained leaders who can lead those churches. And our job is to train as many as we can as collaborators in doing the work of the ministry. In Malawi, we have about 27 churches, but in our churches, most of the churches we have, they don't have trained leaders, unfortunately. And some of the churches are just there, they meet, but they don't have a pastor. What we are doing is to train men who can do that job. The men you see there in gowns, uh, the first crop of students that we started training some two years ago and we graduated them last July. And it was a joy to have start serving as pastors in our local churches. I'm also involved in evangelism. We go in different villages in Malawi sharing the gospel. And the response is so overwhelming in Malawi. When you just go in those villages and show Jesus film, the video, the whole village will come and will share the gospel. And it's a joy to see people giving their lives to Christ. I was speaking there in a village called Kaluira. It's a new church plant um, and we have started a church there after that outreach. And I just love the accommodations when we are there. 
some of those uh, our guest houses. It's beautiful to be in there. And just experience the love of people. I'm also involved in sports ministry. When we just got into Malawi, it was difficult to connect with young people in the community. You not just hold your Bible and walk in the street and call them to come. They may not respond to you. But once you have a ball, just bounce it. They will follow you without calling them. And that's the tool that we've been using in reaching young people. We started a soccer team, and that soccer team is doing great. And 95% of the young people that we are reaching, they are living in alcohol and drugs. In an area called Area 36, you don't walk there late at night. Those young people can kill you. They have knives. They, they are just traumatized and addicted to alcohol. But through sports, you can go anywhere. And we have used the sports to share the gospel with them. And a number of them have given their lives to the Lord. We also have a football, I mean, a volleyball team, which we call Grace Pikers. These guys are dangerous. Grace Pikers has held the second position in the country. They do great. Even if you see some of them barefooted. But they are great volleyball players. And through sports we have seen the hand of the Lord transforming lives. The young man you see there is Justin. When we just got in Malawi, Justin was one of those who were living on drugs and selling drugs. And when we got him on our soccer team, Justin became one of the best players. My wife and I sponsored Justin to go and do some course in gardening. Now he's able to grow his own vegetables and sell. He's become a responsible young man in the community. This year, Justin, through soccer, he's been awarded as the best striker under 20 in the whole country of Malawi. And Justin received an award, and through that, he was able to build his own house in the capital city. Imagine how the Lord can transform lives just through soccer and sports ministry. And we are grateful to the Lord to have young men like that who are being transformed. We feel we are encouraged in what the Lord is doing. And the good news is that you here, you are 100% part of what is happening in Malawi because of your support. Thank you for your partnership. I remember the story of Moses and Joshua. Moses lifts his hands and Joshua is fighting. Joshua wins when Moses is lifting his hands. When he drops his hands, Joshua loses the battle. Now, who is winning the battle here? 
None of the above. The Lord is winning the battle through the two of them. You are lifting your hands and we are fighting at the battlefront. We can't boast that we are doing. We are doing it together. And we are grateful that we can do it together. We value the partnership that we have. When we are reaching these young people, it's not only in words, but also in deeds. Would visit them and share a meal with them. There was a visiting with some of the young people that we are reaching and we had a great time eating ugali. Ugali is, for those who have been to Africa may know that enough, in Zambia they call it nshima. It's made out of cornmeal and that's the staple food in Malawi, Tanzania and Zambia and we are having it. Sometimes you'd find it this big, but even if there are two young people, you'll see it going down. <laughs> and on the other side, here, are you able to see the picture here? What are you seeing there? Sorry? I will not be offended, please say. Rats, yes. Or mice. That's a delicious meal in Malawi. They sell it everywhere you find it. And they love it. And... I also teach a music class as a way of reaching young people and preparing worship leaders in the church. And we were so blessed to have the Excite team visit with us last year. And we had one of the boys on the team, who is Ben, who helped teach music in my class. And he brought us one guitar. I only had two guitars, one for me as a teacher. And I have a class of 10 students. So everyone takes at least less than 10 minutes to hold the guitar. And these young people, they would walk for two hours to come for the training, only to hold the guitar for less than 10 minutes. So it was very difficult for me to use just one guitar. And Ben brought us another guitar. It was such a blessing. Part of what we are doing also, counseling with people living with HIV and AIDS in Malawi today, HIV is a big issue. We have so many people, including our leaders in the church, living with HIV and AIDS. And some will not open up because of the stigma attached to that sickness. They will just be quiet and they will just be dying. A few weeks ago, I was called by one of our elders who was dying. The wife called me. She was crying. And she says, Victor is dying. And when I went to see Victor, took him to the hospital. He was diagnosed with HIV, put on drugs. But it was too late. Victor died. The wife is also living with HIV. And they have... Victor has left some children who are helpless. And from that experience and the many other people that we have in our churches, we decided to start teaching people about it and give, give them hope. That's the first seminar I conducted on HIV. And my wife conducted another one with ladies. And the response was so overwhelming about it. People started disclosing and coming out saying, I'm living with HIV. And a lady came to me in tears and said, Eric, could you come home please? My brother-in-law and sister are dying. Would you come speak to them and give them hope? And they are lonely. They don't want to tell anybody that they are 
dying of HIV. It's so overwhelming. We have so many orphans today because of the pandemic, HIV and AIDS. Victor, that's the one who just died and left some children. I want to call my wife, and by the way, my wife speaks better English than I. She grew up in Zambia where they speak English. I grew up in Congo where we just speak French. So I would call her to come and talk about what she's doing with the ladies. When you come to Africa, things just go. So they don't look at the watch. <laughs> Even when you have it up there, somebody will just pretend it is not there. I'm so glad to be here. It's such, such a joy just to be with you and to have this wonderful moment to share about what we are doing in Malawi. And it's a joy to see people who have been praying with us and supporting us. Being with you just makes a huge difference. Seeing you in person is so wonderful. Now, I don't think I really speak good English, I'm just trying, because my husband still makes fun of it and says, oh, you don't pronounce some of the words well, like burger. <laughs> the first week when we got here, I had to go order some food from McDonald's. Is it McDonald's? And I got there and I told the guy, uh, can I please have some beggars? And he said, what? I said, beggars. <laughs> he said, excuse me? And then Eric was laughing because then quickly he caught the attention. He said, I was pronouncing it, pronouncing it wrongly. And so I ended up saying, okay, anything with cheese and meat. <laughs> that way we got the burger. <laughs> um, I'm involved with the women. And I'm so glad to have the, the support of my husband and my children. Okay, he'll do the slides for me. And the support of my children as well. Sometimes when I'm not going to the meetings, they'll ask me, are you not going to see your people today? <laughs> your friends? And I'll say, no, today I'm spending time with you because they know I love to be with the ladies. And some of the things that we are doing with the ladies includes a program that is called Adult. I hope that's correct, adult literacy. And as you see from the picture, that is just one of the times that we were learning from outside. In this program, we teach the ladies how to read and write in English. I try my best, even though it is not the very best that I can do. So the ladies learn to write and read in English because even though Malawi, they use English, as their official language, but many they use the native language, which is Chichewa. And that's a language I have had to learn while there so that I can effectively minister to these ladies. And the education levels in Malawi are very low. Even that when somebody completed uh, their high school, they will not be able to read and speak the language fluently, which is different from Zambia. When you come to Zambia, even a second grader, you can have just a very good conversation with them without struggling. But that's not the situation in Malawi. So we are teaching these ladies because when they go to the hospitals, they have the conversation with the doctors in Chichewa. But when they get the prescriptions and all the instructions, they're in English. 
And now, by the time they get to the drugstores, things are mixed up. They don't understand what is supposed to be given to them. And some have ended up giving the wrong dose to their children, and that has affected them greatly. So we help the ladies just to learn the basics so that they can be able to read and write, and they are doing so well in that. Now, learning English also helps them to help the children at home because as they are learning in schools, Everything is taught in Chichewa, and when it's time to write the national exams, the exams are in English. And now that makes it very difficult for a child who has been learning Chichewa to do an exam in English. If it were in Chichewa, they would probably do good, but because it's in English, most of them perform so poorly. And the English also help uh, the parents to encourage the children to read from home. And that also promotes a reading culture. You've probably heard of the picture culture. That is our culture. We see pictures, we understand. If there are no pictures, we understand very little when it's just in written. But that will help the children also learn how to read from home and do well in school. This also helps their parents to be able to read literature that is given to them in English. When you just arrive as a missionary before you learn the language, you want to be able to communicate to these people. And we are trying our best to teach the people that we are ministering to English so that those that are just coming in can still have interactions with them. And that would also help them read the Bible in the English language. This class is a way of evangelism where we are ministering. We are surrounded by different religions like Islam, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and other African-initiated churches. And when the ladies come to the program, we share with them the gospel once in a while because we are still developing relationships and we want them just to have the trust in us because if you just immediately ministered to somebody who is a Muslim, the very first day you were meeting them and you preached the gospel to them, you are likely to lose them. But as you trust each other, your relationship is growing, then they can hear from you, and that is what we are doing. In the picture is Mariam, and she is one of the first ladies that started with us. We started with three, and we graduated 27. Those are the ladies that you are seeing in the picture with certificates. It wasn't easy. The first time that they came, I was expecting about more than... Ten ladies, but three came, and I thought, well, what a surprise. Because after visiting them in their homes, everyone promised they would come and they would bring some of their friends that I had not managed to visit, but three came that day. And that wasn't the end of it, because the three still went out and told their friends to say, this is a wonderful program to be at. Please come with us. And at the end of the year, we had 27 and meals is swallowship, as you saw there, is a wonderful way of building relationships. And we try to get the ladies together to come to our home and just share a meal with us. Anything that is they rarely have, like ice cream or the cakes and other things, and we invite them to our homes. And that's me going on one of the easiest ways to get to the villages is by bicycle. So if you have plans to come to Malawi, we'll probably ride together on one of those. And I use those to go 
to where the ladies are. Sometimes I drive, but a bicycle is fairly affordable. Gardening is also what is part of the literacy class. And because the levels of malnutrition are very high in Malawi, we try to teach the ladies just to grow their own vegetables and fruits, and that way they don't have to spend so much on the buying because they have very little money. But if they are growing their own garden, they'll just pick the vegetables and the fruits from their gardens and be able to provide nutritious meals for the families. Pumpkins do very well in the soils of Malawi and other greens, so we plant different things, and after harvesting some of the, uh, the pumpkins, I showed them how they can make uh, pumpkin bread using the local ovens, and as you can see in that picture, those are the things that they use for cooking. We don't use the electric ovens. They don't use the electric ovens, so that is something we are encouraging them to say, you can still use what you have and they bake banana bread and the pumpkin bread, and I can assure you that anything made from there would just taste the same as the one that is made in the electric oven, if not better. And we have the sewing class, uh, just to add on what we are doing, because the people get very little and... They spend so much time working in the fields, which makes it difficult for us to run the programs. And we thought of adding the sewing class as a way of uh, promoting entrepreneurship. And we have five machines, which you people have also been part of, to uh, support the buying of those through a project and money was raised. So we have the five that we are using for a group of about 27, and sometimes there are 30 ladies that come. So it is the same thing as the issue of guitars. People take time and they walk long distances, but the time that they spend on the machine is not something that can be compared to the, to the journey that they take. And this class will help the ladies make things uh, out of chitenje, which is uh, found in Malawi and other places, and it is cheaper. So they can make gowns, they can make shirts. Today Eric is not in any of the shirts, but they can make the Chitenje outfits. And then we can sell these. And when we sell these, the project will be able to raise money, and that will also help uh, the project to be self-sustainable. And also it will help the ladies get something from there because we can give them a certain amount of money that they can use just to add on to what they are getting and support their families. So we have the 27 people, but our target is of five ladies from the church, and we want those to learn the sewing. Then they'll be able to teach other classes because it's an ongoing thing. It's not a, once, uh, a one-time thing. That will also help us to reduce on the expenses of paying a hired tutor because then we have people from the church and they are teaching other people and they are benefiting from that. And uh, we are also praying that the Lord will provide electric machines. Those are very helpful, but the electric ones have a variety of stitches. And if we are looking at doing something that is going to sell, 
who need to use a variety of stitches, uh, the ladies who do sewing probably understand that better. To put embroidery and other decals, who need all those things. So that is what I am doing, involved with the ladies, and Eric will continue from that. In conclusion, we'd love to just share a few items for you to think and pray about as uh, project needs in Malawi. We want to start a car wash with young people as a project that will help generate funds for the church, for the ministry, and also empower young people in our communities. And the car wash in Malawi is not like the car wash here. We do it with our hands. Everything's by hands. We just buy a motor, which we call a generator, and a woover, and just a few other equipment to do to start that car wash. We also want, as Messi shared, to buy a few sewing machines for the ladies' program. We have a great message to share the gospel of God's grace, and would love a good PSST to announce that good news. Would you please pray for that? With the people living with HIV and AIDS, want to start with eight families, giving them a loan of $120 for them to be able to start a small business, and then they'll be giving some money monthly, paying back, and then we'll pass the loan to another family as a way of equipping them and help them meet some of the basic needs in their homes. Oh, technology. The last slide again, please. There we go. And again, as a family, we... As a family, we are running short of $300 for our monthly um, support. We would appreciate your prayers in those lines. Thank you so much for listening. God bless you. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. Are you glad you came today? Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. And listen, tomorrow night we have a uh, missionary, we have a dinner at 6 o'clock. The cost is just like, what, dollar, two dollars or something, just to get you to sign up. And we have two more missionary presentations tomorrow night. The Killians are going to share their ministry tomorrow night. And Frostina and his uh, wife are going to be here with us uh, to share their ministry, anticipating believing. Now listen, I hear these stories, and I've been in a couple of mission fields. And these kids walk how long? Two hours to hold the guitar, ten minutes. The ladies come hours to sew for a few minutes. We live in a land of convenience. You can come tomorrow night. Really, bring your families. We are very conscious as a school night will be done by 8 o'clock. I think it's 6 to 8, isn't it, the tomorrow night service. Two presentations, a dinner. Um, please come. Please come. These people have come here to share their ministries. Uh, we can do this. So get a ticket. Sign up. If you haven't got the money, don't worry about it. Sign up and come and join us. Please, will you? And then join us on Thursday for lunch if you're able to come as well. Uh, my favorite relative, Bob Jokey, uh, gave me a card here. 
Uh, we have 41 cards and $79,680 so far pledged. So we're about $30,000 still to reach our goal. Um, $50,000 to reach our goal. And I know we can do that. So will you please consider that? Pray about it and turn in a card. Uh, you guys coming up here, our missionary guests, come and join me here for a word of prayer. And we're going to dismiss you guys first. Be in the back there so people can just join you. And they, if you'd like, they have, they all have tables in the gym with information about their ministries. And, uh, you come and join them and you, and again, thank you so much for being with us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just pause at this moment to just thank you for the privilege. It's a privilege to be here today and to hear these testimonies and these ministries, both this morning in Sunday school and now in the service today. And we look forward to hearing tomorrow night. Uh, Lord, we are so blessed. You've given us so much. And to whom much is given, much is asked for. And uh, we are we are thankful that you've, you've given us the privilege of being involved in world missions. I can't. I just can't help but think today, Lord, if, if there's a heart that is is cold today, uh, after being here today, uh, there's something wrong. And maybe they don't know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray today, Lord, if there be one person here today who does not know Christ as Savior, they would open their heart and say yes to God and receive forgiveness for sins. For those of us that know you today, Father, I know there's some young people here who have been challenged today. And I pray their hearts will be open to wherever you would have them to go. Uh, we, we have the same thing. We heard our brother Eric uh, remind us, even in his, his culture there, there was a fear he would not be able to support himself and not be able to get by as a, as a pastor. And there are young people here, Lord, who you're calling the full-time Christian ministry. May their hearts be open. And Lord, may the rest of us have our hearts open to give sacrificially, not out of our extra, but sacrificially, the days are short. And we are looking forward to celebrating, to meeting Eric's pastor and those brothers and sisters. In Christ's name, we leave this place. And all God's people can say together, Amen. Amen.